Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Thursday, February 10th. We've had a lot of crazy action on this show this week. Um, just for the listeners, I do have to remind you, it is day 170, the mask siege in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I am still detainee 3101. Commander Jack Regan's host of Drive Time Lincoln and detainee 722 is alive and well and behind the board. Um, I suspect people are waking up, uh, going through their work day and, uh, rumblings are starting to be heard about the fairness ordinance locally here as well as um, whether or not the city council is uh, lawfully executing its duties on that ordinance and or posting the legal minutes and requirements of public comment, uh, which is <laughs> has seemed to have disappeared over the last five months. Um, that is something that you should be interested in, Lincoln, Nebraska, and it's something we've already talked about. Um, I did my citizen duty by... Writing the city councils, I've instructed all of you to do. I express my opposition to the ordinance itself. More importantly, I pinged, as we like to say in the military, I pinged the city council as the host of Drive Time Lincoln, um, showing uh, some of the things where I think that they are uh, deficient in their duties to us, the citizenry, and also, as I would normally do invited them on the show each and every one um to come on and discuss all of these issues that quite frankly were really maybe brought about because of the fairness ordinance a lot of people are in uh in favor of it and a lot of people are not and because of that um as we say visibility i was able to uh look at a few other things associated and go oh i don't like this i don't think this is right i don't think this is america I don't think this is how elected officials are supposed to, by law, carry out business. So, that's been done. I'm going to give it a few days. And as the weekend goes by, I'll pick it back up Monday, hopefully with more information, hopefully from members of city council that have responded to my requests, both as a radio show host, uh, with a platform that they can explain themselves, um, and just like you as a private citizen, you know, I hope to uh, that my input is taken by the city council. But as a last check, uh, they were having a hard time posting um, civilian comments on their website. And so it's been very difficult for the last five months for any of us to know what other fellow citizens are saying on issues and uh, passionate about, you know, pro or for. Uh, so that's that. Let's give that some time. Uh, we have Elena Newman on the show today. Um, we are going to talk a lot about immigrants and refugees and kind of she, Elena, as kind of a spokesman and a go-to, you know, to represent the population that when I think of it, and I, every time I hear anybody from Washington or here in Lincoln talk about the underrepresented, underserved community it's not even close, folks. The immigrant refugee population all across America, let alone Lincoln, Nebraska, is the most underrepresented, underprivileged, um, underserved, I should say, community. And there's a lot of reasons, and we're going to explore that with Elena. 
Um, of note program, uh, gubernatorial candidate uh, Charles Herbster will be on tomorrow for the entire show. So looking forward to uh, hearing him give his platform and, and talk to the people. Um, I, as you know, um, he is supported by former President Trump. And there is you know a big brouhaha starting in the Republican race for this primary. And then as we come back next week, uh, we're going to be heavy on this ordinance. Uh, we're going to have some more guests, and we'll break it down. So, um, well, let's get to it. Um, and for all of you out there that have sent me the crimes down six two, uh, excuse me, six point two percent in Lincoln. Uh, yeah, I see the article too. And you know that I'm going to circle back, and I'm going to pull all the data. I'm going to look at everything, and we're going to see if that's the fact. I don't know that we are I'm going to take the city for their word. Um, but still, you know the deal. I have a lot of questions when it comes to the safety and security of our citizens. And I'm just not going to be convinced because of a post that says, well, we're down 62%. Everything's fine. Because I don't believe everything's fine. There's nothing besides a couple of statistics that come out every once in a while. that, And then the mayor cheerleading that says everything's fine. Kind of like when the mayor cheerleads and says, you got to pass this ordinance so we can be like every other Big Ten uh, city. And by the way, we've got to get it done by Valentine's Day. No, we don't have to get anything done by Valentine's Day unless it's the right thing to do and the vast majority of the citizens of the of the city and county want to do it. Well, Dr. Elena Newman, welcome to Drive Time Lincoln. Thank you. Thank you for having me on again. I've got to get all of my angst out to start. Otherwise, you know, I'll be fired up as we go in because I'm very sympathetic having... Uh, fought, uh, not just for America, but having fought alongside a lot of immigrants and obviously refugees in their home countries or countries associated um, that caused, you know, their plight to get out of it and come to America. And I found all of my interactions overseas to be some of the most meaningful time in my life. And as a matter of fact, it's probably the thing I miss the most is interacting with different cultures on this planet. Um, nonetheless, I'm still very proud of you know, being from obviously America in the Midwest and Lincoln. And so I want to make sure on this platform that um, they do have a voice and that um, and we meaning we kind of the homegrown Americans, because ultimately, when you immigrate right into this country, you are my brother and sister. And and I see it that way. But I'm not so naive to say that there's not issues and troubles. And I want to make sure that they're heard. And I applaud you for kind of stepping up to, you know, Maybe translate some of those things to the rest of us that don't get too far out of Nebraska, and it's difficult sometimes to understand. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so just a little bit of background um, in case you're wondering why in the world I'm representing refugees and Americans. I sound American. I look American. Um, I'm Americanized, but I am a refugee immigrant. I came here in 1993 with my family. I had no prior knowledge of the English language. I came here as a child. Uh, it was decisions that were made by my parents. We came here for freedom. We came here for education. We came here for opportunity. Most of all, we were fleeing persecution. We were uh, rejected by basically our own government, our own home, and we had nowhere to go. My family has lived in airplanes. We've lived in buses. We've lived anywhere, anywhere you can possibly imagine that people can live uh, under the worst conditions. And when we came here, 
simple things like running water 24 hours a day and the ability to take as much time in your shower as you can possibly take. Uh, I made sure to empty the entire hot water tank, by the way, on my first shower here. <laughs> um, the bread aisle, the, you know, looking at all the amounts of bread that are available in the store, just being able to go into the store and be able to get everything you need in one place was just a, 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 a godsend. Sure. Having, having your own vehicle was great (laughs) going to school was great so uh i i did some of my schooling in ussr i attended lps for about one and a half years and then i went on uh, to a private school and attended seven years at uh, lincoln christian it's it's only until i actually was in my 30s in july of 2020 that Everything that I experienced as a child came flooding back. And I realized that there is a deficit here. And that deficit is representing all of those like me, my brothers and sisters who are struggling to fit into this new world that they, that most of them basically had no choice. They, they came here without a choice. It's either they stayed there and were killed or they at least have a chance to survive. And so in my previous platform and in this platform, I am wanting and desiring and am going to be the voice for those who don't have a voice. Yeah. And I know, um, you know, if you've been listening to the show, uh, you know that I've had Elaine on. She ran for city council and, and we broke down even more of her past. But the the action the call to action if you will was that the same issue she's talking about now but on top of that the kind of worrisome feeling about some of the policies and politics in modern day america starting to bend and look like the places that you have fled from your family and many of these immigrants and refugees and you know folks that's that's scary that's scary that somebody that hasn't been born and raised here but has come here and essentially been become americanized but more on top done it right and become an american citizen has that sick feeling that they're sensing some of that in our country and so elena i know if you felt that and you know you are very much in americanized and and get along here so to speak there's thousands if not hundreds of thousands of other immigrants and refugees that are really struggling not just with ascension into america but what's going on modern right now in america and and trying to find their way you know so they need somebody and i'm more than happy always to to talk about it because you know i've said it before diversity is the strongest best thing america has the second would be that normally we're able to communicate and talk through things and find the best solutions for everyone involved instead of an America that's hyperpartisan and, you know, throwing mud. And, hey, I'm the first one to say it. You guys know I throw mud, too. I It happens. Um, you know, tell me about struggles as an underrepresented population, um, underserved that you know are the kind of the top of the list for immigrants and refugees in the in the area so the i guess the the biggest thing is the trust factor 
many, many, many immigrants and refugees do not trust people outside of their collectivistic group. So if unless you're an immigrant and a refugee, they're going to view you as an outsider. They're going to view you with skepticism. They're going to wonder why all of a sudden you have an interest in them. They're going to ask you questions. They'll be nice to you, but they'll always wonder what is it about them that that is driving you to them. And I can tell you my family was the same way. My sure. mom was the same way. My mom was hyper-protective mama bear, um, what Americans would call a, a helicopter parent. <laughs> um, but very, very, very protective of the little ducklings, especially, you know, their kids. Sure. And so they, they try to shelter. They try to protect. They try to, um, you know, they're very wary. Uh, another struggle is just the language barrier. And there is a... A whole other world um, that they experience with not being able to communicate. And that is one of the reasons then they have to involve kids in adult problems. And I remember as a child, always my mom always told me kids belong at a different table. Kids do not belong in adult conversations. Well, when you come to the United States and your kids are the only ones that are speaking the English language. Who's going to translate at doctor's appointments? Sure. Who's going to translate at the grocery store? Who's going to translate at the school? All of a sudden, the little kids no longer have their innocence. Right. They're exposed to adult issues. They're exposed to adult struggles where parents have to talk about their money, where, you know, they're, they're not allowed kind of that ignorance right that they're they're forced to grow up really fast. yeah the, well we would say the time and space that both children need to be children and the adults need to be healthy loving you know social adults with their peers mm-hmm. and and so you're forced into this kind of bridge of existence correct me if i'm wrong because i want to maybe break this down for the audience that doesn't have a lot of experience um with, with seriously different populations of people um generally speaking uh immigrants have their families intact meaning uh, as they come over um it is it is a large it is a family unit as we would describe it but oftentimes by our measure it's bigger right they're they're generally bigger families okay um whether you like it or not uh, they generally generational right they take care in a way that maybe these days in America, we have forgotten. They take care of mom and dad and, and grandmas and grandpas if they're alive and aunts and uncles. So a family unit could be somewhere, you know, five. It could be up towards of 30 to a degree. So it's that immediate family unit that all of us, if we understand that, would weigh on that you're talking about. Inside of that is then the other immigrants, which have a shared experience of leaving somewhere and going to somewhere new that they most identify with could be from their home nation or another nation. And so now that's that community, so to speak. And as they're growing, we naturally, because we live here and this is all we know, we may be on the streets or we may be in the neighborhoods doing the things that we think, Hey, it's my neighbor, John, you know, I'm going to just go over there. And and in one way we think we're just talking, but they're going to look at us at first with a very suspicious eye and wonder what are they doing and one of the reasons that i experienced was because you have to remember people that did that where they came from were probing for information were probing to see if you were saying the right things living the right way and there might have been some very bad things that happened mm-hmm. 
from where they came from. Absolutely. And and they they you are very right. It's it's multi-generational. So when I came uh when I came here with my family, it was my mom, my dad, my brother, sister, and my dad's parents. Yeah. So it was grandma and grandpa very involved. And then shortly after that, my my dad's sisters started to come over. You and, bet. You know. Well, let's pick it up when we come back. We're on with Elena Newman. We're talking about the immigrants and refugees in the area and some of the uh, struggles and successes that they're, they're having and, and how we can better um, just be part of the community. 1,499.3 KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we're on air here on this glorious Thursday with Elena Newman, uh, Dr. Elena Newman, actually. And uh, she herself is a uh, immigrant to the United States and has grown up, you know, partially in the USSR and mostly in the United States. And, and frankly, you personally have done well and are passionate about kind of serving back to that community but also i would also say you're a watchdog for for all americans not just immigrants on making sure that we're following the laws and and the uh constitution and the things that we promise everybody and say we're going to do um we were talking a little bit and we're not going to get to it in this segment but as we go forward i know we're going to focus a little bit on some of the issues in the workplace how COVID affected that population and again Think about it, folks. Uh, the immigrant population, the refugee population, is the most underserved, you know, underrepresented community uh, in the area, maybe in the whole United States. And so we don't hear a lot about it, and that's why I thought it would be good. But also um, in the education sectors, right? And I always say it's good, as we were discussing previously, kind of understanding the family unit, right? Because there are differences there. Yep. Um, and, and, and we have to be willing to understand this as they are growing to understand some of the cultural norms here. And and some of it, as you discussed, some of the culture stuff is plain funny. Now, if you've never experienced this, it's not funny. But, you know, males just don't charge into the group, you know, the house where everybody else is at in their culture without another male present, the male of the house. The right? husband. The husband, see? Yep. Like, think how far we've gone where we don't even use terms like that yep. anymore. Yep. Right? And, of course, I got this OJT from serving overseas, and you learn a lot of these things, and you make a lot of mistakes. But nonetheless, they're here. They are our American brothers and sisters, and they want to participate. And if we're not doing our level best, we're missing a great resource. 1,499.3 KLIN. Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln. 1,499.3 KLIN. All right, Johnny Cadillac, Detainee 722 here on Drive Time Lincoln. Thanks for the notice, uh, or the uh, commander may have just driven the show right off the cliff there. I'm always ready. <laughs> You're a hell of a producer. I appreciate it. I appreciate the kind words. All right, let's get back onto this. Uh, we will take calls. Uh, Rick Stein Recognition Hotline, 402-479-1400. We're talking with Elena Newman, a doctor. I like to say that, you know, doctor, uh, immigrant herself, an American, uh, came from the USSR, and, and we're... We're really uh, understanding some of the history and some of the thoughts as she represents a good majority of our immigrant and refugee population here in Lincoln, Nebraska, Lancaster County. And and you look out for these issues. Uh, we were talking about the family unit, and we're going to also talk a little bit about thoughts on work and education as it's been, um, you know, there's a lot there and there's different barriers than other populations that come to our country, so to speak, or have been here a long time 
you know, and uh, and at the same time, we're a very great group of people in Nebraska in bringing in, you know, but that doesn't mean, okay, it's done. Our work's not done there. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about the home unit and some of the, you know, uniquenesses and differences and, and a natural at first uh, lack of trust to, you know, outsiders, which would mean at first every every uh, American they see, right? Um, and, you know, taking the time to learn our cultures. But the one thing I wanted you to finish up on is the children, you made this because they usually pick up the English faster. They get they get forced into, you know, kind of losing some of the childhood because they have to participate in adult issues. And the families struggle with that as the adults are not picking up English as fast. And so now that's an internal thing. But that also puts stressors on the kids now out, you know, in, in normal, what we would call everyday trying to grow up, you know, in the American childhood dream. Absolutely. Um children lose the ability to be kids. So we, you know, as children, we learn a lot about who we are. We learn a a lot about friendships. We learn a lot about people. We learn a lot about um, our environment by interacting with those who are our our age group. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that every teacher I've ever had has told me that I am older uh, yeah. more mature than most people my age. Yeah, you carry a wiser soul for someone your age. Yeah, and a lot of it has been dictated by my life. I, sure. I wasn't allowed. I could not make silly decisions because that means that my family may go without. Right. Uh, I had to be very careful about the work I chose, what my education was going to be like, because the expectation is you take care out of your parents mm-hmm. after they can't take care of themselves. Yeah. We don't we have no idea what assisted living means. We have no idea what nursing home means. That's not part of our culture. So we take of our uh, take care of our own. Well, the commander's just going to say it really shouldn't be part of our culture either, meaning the American culture. It's it's really over the last 200 years something that I know we're a vast majority of us are doing, okay? It's not healthy. It, I'm just telling you it's it's a bad kind of become an american thing it really is because i've i've traveled all over the world and yeah. other people are doing it in a different way mm-hmm. which is to essentially pay it back as mm-hmm. the younger generation because of everything your parents give it gave you and uh it seems to work out really fine uh for most people yeah. um but we've kind of decided to just offload our old people and and it, it's a really at times it's a really big burden as a 10 year old when your parents are telling you you need to focus on education you need to focus on academics you need to focus on this so that when i am old that you can take care of me children really don't think much past you know (laughs) 24 hours in a day and and half the time as a child you ask your child what they had for breakfast they don't know (laughs) so it's a really big you talk about you know and, and and so the children are picking up faster they're going to school yes even by Born in America, understand America's standards. The last two years of CRT and different things, how does the immigrant refugee population, how do they see that, deal with that? What are their thoughts on this kind of ever-evolving American education process that, of course, has also gotten very political? Yeah, so for everybody listening, please understand that values are different in, in across cultures. So right or wrong or your perception of right or wrong is the same perception of the other side and so at some point we have to realize that we have to understand each other at places that we are 
And so with with refugees and immigrants, when they think of education, they think academic, not political. So there is a separation of academics and political um, topics. And so it's not to say that immigrants and refugees don't want the political topics. They want the option to opt their kids into those topics rather than opting them out of those topics because their kids according to them may not be ready to hear about some of the topics that are um that are more more political in nature that or, are more as we would sensitive. Say, controversial sensitive yeah. you know you, we know how this debate is going around our country right now and now if you've uh, if you've come to this country and you you have a different basis and you have a way now this is added on top of it and you're going no education is just kind of education you know the i'm going to call it the a's the b's the plus yep. and minuses because remember the ultimate because remember the ultimate goal is to go to school graduate high school go to call pass an act test go to college Get a good job so that you can take care of mom and dad. That's right. That that is the plan that is set in motion right. since you are born. Right. So so when you introduce all these kind of other things, it's gotta be very confusing. It's gotta be frustrating, especially when on the nightly news and everything, you know, it's covered so much. And and I suspect especially as we know just across religions, different health, the way we look at sex and health like that, um, let alone religion plus heritage now you've got that and so and again it doesn't mean that refugees and immigrants are um they look down on any of those topics the the issue becomes when politics and academics blend they want to be able to decide much like you hear you know i don't know the percentage but a lot of Americans, you know, maybe we're 50-50 on these issues, but uh, they want to be able to decide what their child will take opposed to have to catch, oh, no, I need to opt them out of this. Well, why is this being taught? Right. It's it's kind of confusing because it's not just strict academics. It's political jargon or it's other alternate thoughts that they have habitually believed, well, we teach that, you know, or, or this is something we'll decide when our child's ready. Right. It's a different approach to education. It's a different approach to informing kids about certain topics. Yeah. It doesn't mean that those topics are not addressed. It just means that the parents at the time that those topics are addressed may believe that their child is not ready to comprehend, hear, um, absorb because a lot of these kids have other issues that they're dealing with too. They're translators for their families. It becomes very overwhelming for them already trying to do all of this other stuff too. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Um, We're going to take a call from Dave here in a sec Um, because I mean, you've said it a different way and it makes sense, but there's a lot of Americans that are asking that question right now as well. When it comes to education, Uh, Dave, you're on the air with the commander and Elena Newman. Hi, it's, uh, yes, I, this is Dave, and I, my uh, concern uh, that really hasn't been touched on yet is, um, I guess the question I have is, what kind of training in education do the uh, do immigrants get when they are uh, brought into Lincoln, Nebraska from places like uh, Sudan, Somalia, Vietnam? or Afghanistan. 
Um, and, and where I'm going with this is in the uh, Lincoln Journal Star yesterday, there was a, the headlines uh, were a prison inmate gets 26 to 40 years for sexually assaulting fellow inmate starting fire at Lincoln Prison. The guy's name is Puam Gok. Okay, obviously not um, a, a Lincoln guy, um, born and bred. I wouldn't say by his name, but um, you know, my my question is: Do they get any kind of uh, uh, training, and uh, in, in, you know, or, or are they just are these immigrants brought to Lincoln by Lutheran Family Services or Catholic Social Services or whoever? Um, given some basic stuff, but but no real follow-on stuff with um, our culture and our laws. Good question, Dave. Uh, yeah, let us break that down. Um, you know, that's a good question. We were talking about it off air. On uh, I see a lot of five hundred one Cs that are you know they doubling down on certain certain political side questions in American culture that go into schools and teach. We have a lot of five hundred one Cs dedicated to mental health, crisis management, homeless. I mean, you can just name them. But I have that same question, Dave, which was how much are we both federally, nationally, and locally? taking a look at what I would call the onboarding of people into America and then ensuring that we're providing continuing education to help the process, not just give a high five off the tarmac and go, here's your house, you know, we'll see you later. And I, I, my initial take, and I want to hear, obviously, Elena, your opinion. I don't think we're doing a good enough job. So... Uh, to answer your question, I'm kind of going to go backwards in time. So when my family came here, um, the only people we had was our um, uh, sponsor. So our sponsor was actually a family member who sponsored us to come to the United States. And then we were able to get other help from other family members. So other Armenian family members who were in the area to help educate us on like where to go to get groceries, how to get a driver's license, how to get this, that, or the other. I had no idea when I went to college what a FAFSA was. I had no idea when I went. I mean, my mom didn't even know that milk was pasteurized here in the public schools. Um, she about had a, heart, had a heart attack when I drank milk from that little carton. Uh, <laughs> so, but it's it's the things that you don't think about, you know, that are important. Um, I know today, I know we're working, at least in, in the city of Lincoln, we're bringing in um, refugees from Afghanistan. And I know that uh, my uh, pharmacy manager, so I work in a small pharmacy, uh, Lincoln Pharmacy, and um, my pharmacy manager is, you know, t- fielding calls all the time, you know, helping translate, helping uh, the refugees settle in, helping them get phones, helping them get their medications, answer questions. About and to be the- clear, because he, he speaks the Afghan yes, language. Yes, he right. speaks like five or six. Some Yeah, there's not just one. L- no, there, <laughs> he speaks some amazing number of languages. Uh, so I know there is a better job at it today than there was back when I came but I still don't think it's enough um, of a process to I mean they have a booklet of of if you uh, go to Catholic Social Services they do have a booklet about you know various holidays and it's a it's a really nice booklet that they've created 
uh, about the the general things to 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 know, I guess. But it's the little things. It's the everyday questions that people have that are not necessarily covered in that manual. That manual would be like thousands of pages long if we created, you know, created a, a substantial manual. The key is the relationship building and, and creating a community, uh, introducing those people into a community, a, a law abiding community, so they can show them the, the, the rules, the ways, the culture, uh, what's considered good versus kind of looked down upon. Um, or, you know, even the rules that are a little bit different, uh, here than back in their own country. So I don't, I don't know if that completely answered, answers your question, but I think we can do a lot more with it than what we are doing. Yeah. And I, and I would just say this, Dave, I think we're always striving and programs generally in America, especially towards like these outreach things continually get better. I think what we're discussing and, and what I've observed and always felt is that, it's the day-to-day follow-through and connection, as you said, relationships, Elena, that that's where the real learning takes place. We can have a, you know, we can have a book, we can have a study, and we can give, you know, a check mark and say, you did this, you did that. But in the end of the day, right, they're coming in, they're going to work, they're you know going to find meaningful employment, they're going to take care of their family, their kids are going to integrate into ours, and as you know, you know, the laws, the customs may be different, right? And sometimes even everybody that's been raised here, we have to learn the hard way with those. Uh, second, we have, whether you like it or not, we have a lot of bad actors in the United States who will prey upon people that are naive to other things. And I specifically mention that with young children, and it's not just immigrant and refugees. I mean, between drugs, alcohol, gang violence, you know, just uh, macho, stealing, theft, kind of the, the cheat way to try to make a living in America. And I I have always felt that we have enough people that want to, and we have enough people that have the heart to understand this greatness of diversity in America. But oftentimes our programs, if you will, and our prioritization of monies go to things that aren't having a big impact. You could make the argument, and I'll make the argument, that we, as a federal government right now, spend more money on transporting illegal immigrants all around the United States in this border crisis, right? With no potential hope that they'll ever come back to court and be seen legally than we do in education and follow-through and well-thought-out programs to essentially give immigrants that come here legally and refugees the best chance to live the American dream just like you and I. You know, and this is Lincoln. We're, we've been doing a great job, and we're having some success. Um, but I want to make sure that this underrepresented, underserved community um, really gets the best of us and in some of that, we, meaning you and I, plus the city government and our state government, needs to keep recognizing that and, and get educated on these things. And, and the other thing that I will say is one of the biggest barriers is a language barrier. And, and it, it's, it's one of the things that if anytime there's a survey, that's one of the biggest barriers that's mentioned uh, by the refugee and the immigrant community. And a lot of times they if they don't have somebody they know 
they're not going to be able to express their concern, their issue or their, you know, the, the questions that they have. You can give them a manual all you want, but chances of them reading that manual is very slim because they're worried about so many things that that manual becomes like the last thing they do. Yeah. And I think, you know, the takeaway I'm getting right is we overlooked the language barrier. We do. We overlook it in America. It's one of our systemic weaknesses as we travel around the nation. But the other thing is understanding trust. And trust takes time. Trust takes relationships. Listen, a lot of these folks were handed manuals that were propaganda, right? It takes a while to go, no, this is just a survey. These are things you can trust. 1499 KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL. With Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, uh, finishing up Thursday's show with uh, Dr. Elena Newman uh, talking immigrants and refugees. Uh, Dave had a good call. It's a good question. It's a question I think I have. I think a lot of people have uh, when when we start to understand this. Um, you know, folks in jail, you know, I'm not even going to go there to say that the way I right now am viewing crime in America, it's all over the map. <laughs> um, and, and I'm sure there's subsets and different things. Um, and, and in the end of the day, we all know it's important to get here. It's important to understand the Constitution and laws. And then from there, you, you generally can be free to do what you want. I think what I'm hearing is the immigrant population, if it's not like that, they're very wary. Yeah. Yeah. They come here to be able to raise their families. They want to have the freedom to work. They want the ability to become educated and for their kids to be educated. They I mean, most of them, I would say a, a great majority of them um, are not. I mean, they don't wake up in the morning saying, you know, what can I do to break the law? Like, that's right. not, you know, right. that's just probably like, weary of mandates and things like that type of language. Yes. Yes. You because, know. you know, it's it's it, they don't understand in a free country, the the word mandate in a free country is very confusing. As it should um, be. It so, should be. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and a lot of immigrants and refugees understand a, a different, just venture to trust me on this. They have been victims of the worst things that you can possibly, treatment that's been forced on them prodding and poking that's been forced on them uh they've been coerced manipulated questioned beyond belief they watch their kids lose their lives they've they've watched their families their husbands their wives be beaten murdered etc a unique perspective by dr elena newman 1499.3 kli